Amen. We thank you for your giving. I appreciate you for all that you do. And uh, just want you to know that we couldn't do what we do without you. So for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. So we're going to bow our heads and pray over the preaching moment. And then we'll do our sermon confession. So let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, thank you once again for all that you are and all that you mean. We pray that you would just bless us and encourage us as we move into this preaching moment. God, we pray that you would give me wisdom and clarity as I share the word of God. Allow me to be succinct, God. Think through my mind. Speak through my mouth, God. But also illuminate the ears of the listeners, God. Bless their attention span so we will have a moment in uh, in revelation that will bring us to the place that you want us to be. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, with your Bibles in your hands, repeating after me, this is my Bible, amen, I am what it says I am, I can do what it says I can do, I will have what it says I will have, I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love By living our vision every day, we connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. If you believe that, go ahead and make some noise this morning. Amen. So we've been in a series and the series is simply called uh, Healthy Church. And so we have been digging into what it looks like to have a healthy church, to be a part of a healthy church. And so today we're going to deal with healthy humility. Healthy humility. This is going to be vitally important for where we need to to move forward in. So healthy humility. So what we're going to do, we're going to backtrack to one of the points from last week. And that point was this. Before you can heal thyself, there has to be a self-diagnosis. And so last week was called healthy diagnosis. And we talked about what it's like to actually diagnose yourself and making sure that you have a proper diagnosis. And we talked about the fact of uh, having a misdiagnosis that causes an issue. And so what we're going to do is go back to the scripture that we used for last uh, time. We'll have them bring that up, Revelations 3.17. Would you read that, Mother Mitchell? Hold on just a second. Let's make sure your microphone's on. Sorry. For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So we were discussing this, and we discussed that this church, they had totally misdiagnosed themselves. And so that's what, how we launched last week in healthy diagnosis. But I didn't explain to you why. They misdiagnosed it themselves. I just told you that they did, and we used that verse that said that they said, I'm rich, I have become wealthy, and I need nothing. And he said, I see you as the opposite. In other words, he diagnosed them one way, they diagnosed themselves another way. Well, the simple answer to why or how they could be so far off from what God uh, was thinking or what Jesus was thinking It's a simple five-letter word, and we'll bring it up now, and it's pride. Somebody say pride. Pride Pride can be known as the original sin. The problem with pride is pride is so blinding. Most of the times, people who are full of pride are the last to know they're full of pride. They think they're one way. And other people who interact with them know that there's something else, but pride is very blinding. 
And it is a very demonic spirit that sometimes people walk in and if you walk in it, it'll keep you from being healthy because you'll never be able to diagnose yourself properly because you'll be the last one to see you have a problem. There's been a lot of talk lately about narcissists and narcissism. And we're finding out there are so many people who are stuck in the traits of narcissism. And the problem with the narcissist is everything is about them and they don't really know it. Or they know it and don't care about it. Or they cared at one time and they no longer cared and now everything is me, 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 me. You ever talk to somebody who always turns everything back around to be about them? They hurt you. They need to apologize to you and they'll have it to where you got to apologize to them because they're so narcissistic and they're so focused on them that they become very, very prideful. So let me put this quote up from John Blanchard and let's, let's, uh, help us unpack this a little more. There is no spirit in man more opposed to the spirit of God than the spirit of pride. This is from John Blanchard. No spirit. Somebody will say, well, maybe it's hate because God is love. But the truth of the matter is you can't really hate unless you have pride. Because it's only a prideful person that can look at another person and hate them because we really all are cut from the same cloth. How can you dislike me only based on the color of my skin or based on my age or based on my gender? Yeah, you're operating in hate or misogyny, but there's a deeper issue. You got a lot of pride in you because how could you look at me and hate me knowing you put your pants on two legs at a time like I do? Now, maybe you jump in your pants and maybe you flip in your pants, but last time I checked, we all are human. We all got to walk the same way. And guess what? You may be all that in a bag of chips, but when you fart, you stink too. Because we're all human. So if you are hating, there's something wrong with your pride. Something's got to be wrong. So there's no real spirit that opposes God like pride. So we're we're going to uh, give you a de- definition and kind of define it. Pride refers to an unwarranted attitude of confidence. Nothing wrong with confidence, but an unwarranted attitude of confidence. It is often used in scripture to to refer to an unhealthy, elevated view of oneself, abilities, or possessions. Nothing wrong with believing in yourself, but don't get unhealthy with it. Don't get arrogant with it. Don't get overinflated with it. Some of y'all are just like a balloon. You're just full of a bunch of hot air. And you just floating in the clouds. But here, here's, what, here's what's funny. We love to do balloon releases. Oh, that looks pretty. But them balloons are not going to go up to heaven. They're going to pop somewhere and they're going to come to the ground. Well, while you floating up in your pride, at some point, you're not going to keep rising up. You're going to go down somewhere. Your bubble's going to pop somewhere. So you might as well go ahead and just, just, um, Humble yourself a little bit and don't allow yourself to keep rising up in pride. Let me, let me tell you a funny story that happened about me with my ignorant self at my young 17 year old age. So I was at, uh, I was working a job that had concessions and we had, we were blowing up healing balloons. We were doing, uh, uh, hot dogs and drinks and I was taking care of all that stuff. And I found it very interesting that the kids would love it when I would take the helium and I would suck a little bit of it in and I would, it would make my voice change like a chipmunk. And it was cute and it was fun, but I sucked a little too much in. And the next time I woke up, I was on the ground because I had actually passed out because I kept ingesting something in that didn't belong in. 
Now, when you keep ingesting pride in, it may be fun for a moment. Maybe it got you a few girlfriends and maybe it got you a job. But one day you're going to wake up on the bottom of the barrel. You're going to wake up on the ground, passed out. I'm trying to warn you, don't play with pride because pride will take you clean out. All right, so... Having said that, let's let's back all the way up and let's go to the Old Testament. This is a scripture about King Tyre, but it's a scripture from Ezekiel. Ezekiel is speaking about King Tyre, but what's interesting, King Tyre was a human king. But as Ezekiel begins to prophetically speak about King Tyre, we realize, realize he wasn't really speaking about the king of Tyre at all. He was really speaking about another spirit, and once we read it, we will understand what it means. Sister Mitchell, go ahead and read verse 14. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. All right, let's go to verse 15. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. Mm. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Now, this is interesting. So you were created blameless until righteousness was found in you. So at some point, you were created blameless. Then at another point, unrighteousness was found in you. So do we blame the person who created you? Because he created you blameless. So how did unrighteousness get found in you? So let's figure out the journey, what happened. Let's look at verse 17. Your heart was proud. Hold on. Read that again. Your heart was proud. Read it one more time. Your heart was proud. Oh, the unrighteousness that was found in you was because your heart was proud. All right, let's continue to read. Because of your beauty, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Go to the the next. uh, It's another slide that's going to give us a little more because this is quite interesting. I cast you to the ground. Uh I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. Mm. So now this can't just be talking about the king of Tyre. This sounds like Lucifer. Yeah. This sounds like someone who was created. And then what's interesting said he got prideful because of how beautiful he was. But it wasn't of his own doing that he became beautiful. It was the creator that gave him the beauty. But he looked at his own beauty and became proud in his heart. Amen. And if we know anything about the scripture in Isaiah, it says that he said, I'm going to rise above The throne of the king. The one who created me. I'm so beautiful. I don't need the one who created me. Now I'm going to pause and I'm going to bring it to something a little more natural. This is not as demonic. But it's still kind of rough. You you got kids that when they get 15, 16, 17, 18. They forget the womb that they came out of. They forget the seed that actually produced them. And now they know more than everybody. Baby, do you understand that if it wasn't for mama and daddy, you wouldn't be here? The old folks would say, you still wet behind your ears. You really don't even know what you're doing. And you got the nerve to sit in your mama and your daddy's house and to talk back to them. And you ain't paid a mortgage the first. And you ain't paid rent the first. You ain't paid insurance. And every time you open the refrigerator, there's food there. And you got the nerve to get puffed up against mama and daddy because you got a few abs on your little skinny belly. Baby, You, I need to let you know you done lost your mind. You done got puffed up. You, 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 as they used to tell me back in the day, you cruising for a bruise. You just don't understand. And this is, it's, it's, it's funny when you look at it as a child, because a lot of times you can straighten a child out, hopefully. Now, let me, let, let me throw this in. This is not in the notes. You can't really wait till they 17 to start trying to straighten the child out. You got to start a lot younger. But, but it's interesting as a child and a parent, but think about Satan versus God. And he still thinks that he could overthrow God and God was the one who created him. Very ignorant. So now, now let's look at uh, Proverbs 16 and 18. 
Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Mm, so there comes a tumbling point. There comes a sliding point. There comes a dropping point. There comes a falling point, and it usually ends up in destruction. Now, sometimes it's hard for us because we watch people who seem to operate in this, and it don't seem like they're getting what they deserve. It seems like some people just keep rising and rising and rising. I don't want to go here, but let me just throw this out here. Many of our politicians are just as prideful as they can be on both sides of the aisle. They'll get up and they'll say all kinds of stuff. And, and it's funny, they'll make laws to take stuff away from you that they have. I don't want y'all to have health care, but everybody in Congress got health care. It's funny how, why can't we have the same thing y'all have? Well, because we're a politician. But don't you for, don't forget who voted you in. You campaigned for us, and now all of a sudden we're beneath us. Not all politicians are like that, but there are some who are caught up in pride. And I'm afraid some of them are going to have a tumble that is open because their pride is so open. All right, so let's move on. Let's switch because we're not talking about pride today. We're actually talking about humility. So let's pull humility up. So this is where we're going to go now. And let's give a, a defining uh, statement for humility. Humility can refer to a state of being lowly. In this sense, it is the opposite of pride and arrogance. So which side should we be on? We should probably be on the opposite side, which is humility. So that's why we're talking about healthy humility. I brought up pride to, to create a contrast Hopefully, I didn't step on none of y'all toes. Hopefully, y'all not operating in that level of pride. But humility, that's something that we can actually work on or grow in. So let's look at Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Now, this is Jesus talking. Now, look at the contrast of this. Now, the scripture says... Out of him all things consist. It also said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It says that creation was born through him. So that means the Satan that got so puffed up about how beautiful he was, was actually created through the agency of the son of God, which was Jesus. So if there's anybody who should have been caught up in their pride, it should have been Jesus. But Jesus said, come unto me. I am meek and I'm lowly. Satan says, I'm so beautiful. I need to take this whole thing over. Jesus comes, born in a manger, king of kings, born in a manger. And he says, I'm meek and I'm lowly. I, I can talk about how splendorful I am. I can talk about how majestic I am, but I won't waste time about it without all that. All I'm going to say is just come to me because I can get to your level. Come to me because I can go where you are. Actually, I can go lower than you because I'm meek or I'm gentle and I'm lowly. Now, meek doesn't mean weak. He wasn't weak. He was actually strength personified, but he knew how to walk in humility. He knew how to bring himself down. Because here's the thing. If you're so high up, how can you ever reach and pull somebody up if you can't never come down? So Jesus, in contrast to Satan, says, I'm meek and I'm lowly. Let's look at Philippians 2 and 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Hmm. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Wow. All right. Let's, let's move on. Let's, you read that same verse, and we're going to read it in the English Standard Version now. They're going to pull it up. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That means a whole bunch of folks are going to have to take a lot of their Facebook posts down. Because <laughs> a lot of what they do is just for show. You, you, ever, you ever wonder why that people don't forget that you know them in real life? Like, I know you for real. And you keep posting all this stuff 
on Facebook like you this. It, it, it's funny. You posted like you a baller and you owe me $500. It confuses me. But you're doing a lot of stuff from selfish ambition and conceit. But in other words, instead of doing that, there's nothing wrong with doing a little stuff as long as you're being honest and true. But really, you ought to be actually esteeming others more than yourselves. We live in a me, me, me generation A, selfie generation. And don't nobody take more selfies than I do. So I'm not dogging people. I, I take them, but I, there usually is a purpose in what I'm doing, what I'm doing. I'm not just doing it frivolously. One of the reasons why I do it is because the young men that I grew up around, everybody thought the best thing you could be was a thug. Dress like a thug, look like a thug. So I decided I'm going to look professional and show you that you can actually shine professionally. I don't have to have my pants hanging down. Now, I don't dog somebody else that's doing it. I'm just showing another way. But really, my focus is other people. Now, actually, I got tired of it. I got tired of it. I said, like, I didn't post enough pictures, enough suit stuff. And I stopped. I started posting some other stuff. And people was like, when, when you, I, I want to see what you wore on Sunday. Well, like, I didn't post it. Well, can you get back to doing it? So I was like, all right. The people like it. I'm going to do it. But actually, I was doing it for the sake of the people. All right, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have you ever had somebody call you and tell you they got a sale at, uh, at fresh time on steaks? Now, they could have bought them themselves, but they're not just thinking about themselves. They're thinking about somebody else. But there's some other folk that they bought the steaks and then they hid some steaks so they can come back and get some more because they don't care about you and your cookout. It's about me and my labor day. They, they don't want nobody else to know. And oh, don't you show up in church with the same dress on that they got. They'll be mad at you for 50 years because everything is about me, 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 me. But other people have the mindset is, listen, if I'm eating, I want y'all to eat. If I'm getting blessed, I want y'all to get blessed. Deliver me from a pastor when he's the only one that can go on vacations in the church. He's the only one that got a nice car in the parking lot. I'm a failing pastor if I'm the only one getting blessed. I'm not happy until we all are moving up together. And I'm willing to lower myself to help raise other people up. All right, let's continue to move. Romans 12, 16, English Standard Version. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be so wise in your own sight that you can't function with other people. You can't function with the lowly. And I, I, I don't like church folk who act like they can't hang around and be around sinners. Jesus made his abode among sinners. Now, he wasn't doing what they were doing. He was willing to shift them and help them. But don't be so high and so hearty that you can't go to the park. Well, they drinking out there. Well, come on, just chill out. Just bring your light, shine your light, love on people. Don't be so high and mighty that you can't humble yourself and you can't deal with people. You can't function with people. How are you ever going to win people if you can't get on their level? And we've got a lot of church folk that are just so high and lifted up. And they're complaining after folk out there for getting high. Well, they're getting high on weed and you getting high on pride. Both of y'all need to come down. All right. Let me move, move right along. Let's, let's put this up here. So this is just, just to summarize what we've talked uh, about so far. Pride equals unhealthy. Humility equals healthy. Simple. Simple. I'm putting it all together for you. I've painted the picture with the verses, with the words. This just makes it very, very simple. Pride is unhealthy. Humility is healthy. Let's put up another quote. This is from William Jenkins. Humility is the ornament of angels and pride the deformity of devils. So if you want to function like a devil, stay in pride. You want to function like an angel, move to humility. However, that is a surface understanding, and that's not really what I want to talk about. I had to set it up because I wanted 
to paint the picture. But what I really want to talk about is deeper than that because honestly, y'all should already know what we just talked about. And I believe y'all do. I believe y'all are, you are graduated level. I'm not teaching, uh, a elementary class. I'm teaching prep students. I'm teaching AP class. So y'all already know before y'all walked in the door, you shouldn't be functioning in pride and you should be functioning in humility. So why would I bring this up? Well, I've got another thing. I want to, I want to shift us just a little bit. Put this up. And then we're going to turn the message just a little bit. There is a healthy form of pride and there is an unhealthy form of humility. So pride is bad. Humility is good. But that's not the full story. There is some levels of pride that are good. And there are some levels of humility that are bad. So in order to paint the picture even clearer, let's put this statement up, and this will just make it really simple. I am proud of you. That is actually a good statement. Now in my life, I've heard people tell me this, and it's actually a blessing to me now that my father is gone. I've heard people say, your dad would be proud of you. That's a good form of pride. There are people who walk in this building and they immediately say, Bearcat Pride. Because they see the purple and it invokes their school pride. And then there's been some people that's come from Southside and it's like, Pastor, why you got all this purple in here? You know I'm red and black. And there's nothing wrong with school pride. There's nothing wrong with pride in your heritage. There's pride in your, uh, your even pride in your gender. There's nothing wrong with that. So there is, we can't paint the picture that all pride is wrong. Pride is actually a good thing. What we have to understand is Satan always twists things to the worst degree. Pride in the hands of Satan is twisted to be me, 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 me. But pride in the right hands actually celebrates other people. One of the reasons why I'm proud of my heritage and my skin tone and my melanin is because of the people that came before me, my ancestors. When I look at history and see what they went through and what they came through, it gives me a sense of pride. When I study the, the, uh, when I study the W.E.B. Du Bois and I study the Martin Luther Kings and even the Malcolm X's and the, the Mandela's, when I study them, when I look even to the Rosa Parks and the, the Fannie Lou Hamers, when I study people, it gives me a sense of pride not just to sit on my duff and watch Netflix all day. It gives me a sense of pride to get out there and make something of myself too. So really good pride encompasses others. I don't want to drop the ball because too many people have gone before me. There were folk that were beat in the cotton fields and how dare I lay myself down and not open up a book every now and then and not educate myself and not be the best version of myself I can be. It's because of my pride. And some of y'all, if you would have more pride, there's certain things you wouldn't do. There's certain places you wouldn't go because it's beneath the level that I'm trying to reach. I can't do everything. I can't be with everybody. I can't go everywhere. I've got too much pride in myself to do it. So there is a healthy level of pride. All right. So let's uh, bring humility up definition. So when I first brought the definition of humility, I didn't give you the full thing. I actually took bits and pieces of it. But this is a fuller context of it, and I want you to, to let this uh, kind of stick with you. Humility can refer to a state of being, generally lowness in status, rank, or economic means. In this sense, humility is the opposite of importance or wealth. Let me specifically say this to us who are, in most cases, we are more social economically challenged than other people. We're not the poorest in the world. When you go to third world countries, we see that we are wealthier than most. But in the American context, with the American dream, 
Many of us have seen the American nightmare versus the American dream. That many of y'all who tried to educate yourself because of your ancestors, the only thing that happened is you came out with a mountain of debt and couldn't find no job. Because the economy has switched and they told you to educate yourself, but they didn't tell you you was going to have $90,000 worth of debt and you weren't going to be able to find a job. And so now you're struggling. You're working two and three jobs trying to make ends meet. But this is what I'm trying to tell you that in that form, what it does, it humbles you, but it often humiliates you. And then what happens is you get stuck in a level of humiliation. Give me give you another example. When you dreamed as a little girl of being married, you dreamed of walking down the aisle. You dreamed of what your dress was going to look like. You dreamed of what the colors were going to look like. But you never dreamed about being in divorce court. So when life changed and turned on you and you ended up in divorce court, now you feel humiliated. Because this wasn't the plan for your life. You you did everything they told you to do and it still ended up wrong and it brought you low and it has a way of humiliating you. And what happens is sometimes you can get stuck in a humility that God never wanted you to be stuck in. Certain places in your life were only supposed to be a pit stop. But you've made it a rest stop. See, a pit stop in a race, you come there, you get what needs to be done, and they get you back on the road. But a rest stop, you get stuck there, and you get lulled to sleep. And some of y'all, because you've been broke so long, and because you've been single so long, and because you lost your job, and because they lied on you, and because they cheated on uh, cheated on you, and because they did that and, and the other, and because it's been so difficult, you've been so humiliated, you done got stuck. And the stuck is unhealthy. And I know... You've been through what you've been through, but I'm encouraging you that there's still another level you can go to. One thing about being on the bottom, there's only one way, and it's back up. You may be on the bottom now, you may have dropped right now, but I'm here to tell you there's another way, and you're going back up. Don't get stuck in the place of low degree. Let me give you uh, an example I thought of as I was preparing this sermon. Let's say that you are in a hotel room and they give you your key card and your key card says the first floor. And so while you're getting ready to go, you bump into someone else and they say they're going to the 10th floor. And you look at them and say, wow, you're going to the 10th floor and all I got is the first floor. And so the person on the 10th floor comes down for breakfast and finds you sleeping outside in your car. And they ask you, what? Why are you sleeping outside in your car? Well, all I got was the first floor and you got the 10th floor. So I knew it wasn't no hope for me. So I stayed out there in the car. But hold on, baby. You still got a room. Even though it's the first floor, you still got a room. Why, Why would you sleep outside When a room has been prepared for you, yes, you're not a millionaire, and yes, you don't have a business, and yes, you don't have degree, but that don't mean you got to sleep outside. You still allowed in the hotel. Go ahead and take advantage. And what you have to understand, sometimes it's better to be lower. Because when the elevator shuts down, the person on the 10th floor got to walk up a bunch of steps. All you got to do is walk right in. And what I need you to understand, sometimes God has put you low because he's getting ready to turn the tables. He's getting ready to switch things. And what looks like was trouble, God was setting you up to be blessed. Don't you give up and get stuck because you're low right now. It's momentary. It's temporary. You won't be here forever. Wipe that frown off of your face. Put a smile on your face. And praise God anyhow. Hallelujah anyhow. Never, never let life problems get you down. When life problems come your way, lift your hands to God and say hallelujah 
anyhow. Which hallelujah is the highest praise. So even though you're low, you can still praise somebody that's high. And I can't keep praising high without it lifting me up. I believe Josh Grover sang a song that says, you raise me up. Well, I may be low right now, but I know somebody that can raise me up. I, I know somebody that can lift me up. Lift up your heads, oh, ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. He's the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads. Yeah. yeah, you've been humiliated, but it's part of your story. Yeah, you got fired, but it's a part of your story. Yeah, you lost your friends, but it was a part of your story. Yeah, you lost some loved ones, but it was a part of your story. Yeah, you've been divorced, but it's a part of your story. Yes, you've been addicted, but it's a part of your story. And God wants to raise you Let me give you, let me give you another quick example. Little kids, when they're younger, about five, six, seven, and you tell them, hey, I can pick you up, and you pick them up, and they say, I bet you can't do it again, and what they do, they bear all their weight down. <laughs> so you can barely lift them up. And God is trying to lift some of y'all up, but you so humbled and so humiliated and so stuck where you used to be that God is trying to raise you up and you're holding back and fighting. Stop fighting it. God's trying to lift you up. And you will live again. You will breathe again. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells in your mortal bodies. All right, so... Let's, let's put up this quote from Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. He said it this way. Humility is to make a right estimate of oneself. It is no humility for a man to think less of himself than he ought. So unhealthy humility thinks less of you than you should think. And that's what the devil is trying to do with many of the things you've gone through to get you to have such a low estimate of yourself that you can't hardly be brought up even if someone tries. You know, some of us, we, we have been through so much, we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak. If we get a good call, we're waiting for somebody to mess it up. Because we're so nervous. We've been through so much. But I'm trying to encourage you that God is trying to lift you up. So you have to have a healthy view of humility. All right, so let's let's put this uh, question up. This will help us as we move forward. We'll go to this next question. How does this benefit the church? So we're not talking about self, even though the last several sermons have been about self and us. Really, the series is about healthy church. So how does this benefit the church? If you have a proper view of yourself, you're not too prideful and you're not too low. You're somewhere where you need to be. If you have a healthy view of yourself, how does that help the church? And that reminds me, I believe I actually skipped a point, so you guys were right in the back. Let's go back to that point, and I'll go ahead and and read that. Healthy humility is not thinking too high of yourself, nor thinking too low of yourself, but having a healthy balance. A balance that is key. Just be balanced. You're not the worst person in the world, and you're not the best person in the world. just, Just be balanced. Yeah, yeah, you're ugly in some spots, but you ain't the ugliest. Yeah, you're good looking in some spots, but you ain't the greatest. Keep yourself on an evil, even balance. Life works better when you're balanced. How do I know that? Have you ever rode in a plane that got into some turbulence? That's up and down. It's hard to relax in a bunch of turbulence. So stop being up and down, up and down. Try to learn how to ride in the even keel of life. Now, life is a roller coaster. But one thing about being in a roller coaster, the cars don't go up and down. 
In other words, the car stays still. You may not feel like it's staying still because life is cr- crazy. But guess what? That lap belt, it stays put. And that's how you got on the roller coaster and got off the roller coaster because something stayed consistent. And you got to have something in your life that is balanced and consistent so you can ride the ways of life and come out on the other side. All right, so having said that, we uh, we already asked you, how does this benefit the church? Let me go ahead and answer that question. Here's the answer to that. It stops the wrong people from stepping up And it helps the right people to stop sitting down. What I've learned in leadership is the folk that don't know what they're doing want to be up front. And the folk that do want to know what they're doing, they're the ones who are hiding in the back. I had to learn that in my own life. I am not really by nature, I'm not really an out front person. I like to move in the the behind the scenes. I like to chill in the cut. I don't always want to be out front. But I figured out the folk that was out front was messing stuff up. So I might as well step up to the plate. Now I'm going to use a person and give a real name. I normally wouldn't do that, but I talked to him uh, at Mother Wood's funeral and uh, he said it about himself and we were able to laugh about it because God has turned him around. Talking about Brother George, who's a bishop now. And Bishop uh, George said uh, on Monday, he said, it said, so y'all delivers people, delivers temple people who thought I was playing back then. I was. But, but Mother Woods kept praying for me, and Bishop Mitchell stayed with me, and I finally got it right. Well, he wasn't the only one that knew he was playing. I knew he was playing. And we sit in meetings, and he kept having all these answers, and I'm like, that, that ain't right. So finally, I was like, no, we don't need to do that. Daddy, and, and it wasn't Bishop Mitchell no more. He's like, Daddy, I'll do it. No, don't let him do it. And I, I couldn't explain what I knew, but I knew he didn't know what he was doing at the time. He didn't have it like he needed to have it. And even though I didn't want to be up front, I was about to say, if the ship is going to sink, at least give me a chance to steer it correctly. So sometimes the wrong folk are sitting down because of what they've been through. Well, I... They don't like to use divorced women in a church. Why not? You know something that can help us get up and talk about what you've been through. Then you got the folk that they ain't never been through nothing. They're the ones that will get up and run the testimony service. Shut up and sit down. The folk that don't want to sing is the ones who want to lead the solo. And the folks that can't sing, you can't find the, you can't find them to get them to do anything. So when you have the right view of yourself, the right people get in the right places. And it helps and benefits the church. Some of y'all are sitting down that shouldn't be sitting down. Some of y'all need to be advancing and stepping up. You need to be doing more. You need to be expressing more. You need to be bringing more to the table than what you're bringing. But you think, oh, well, I just got to the church two years ago. But you've got a wealth of experience that we can use. Step up to the plate. If everybody that got up to the plate is striking out and you know how to hit home runs, I need you to get up there and show everybody else how to hit home runs. Well, they might not like me because I look different from them. They're majority black and I'm white. Well, who cares? Do you have something that can help us? Well, come on, let's get to, come on, let's help me. Also, you've seen it on your jobs. The folk who get promoted, sometimes they don't know nothing. Like how in the world did they get promoted? But sometimes they're vocal. Sometimes it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. They're the one always talking about this and that. They're always talking about their resume. You got all kinds of stuff, all kinds of life experience, but you've never taken the time to put it in a resume, put it in a way that people can see it. So stop being crying that you're being passed over and start stepping up and say, like Shrek, pick me. I'm somebody too. You can pick me because I know what I'm doing and I can prove it. It's my time to shine. Let me let me give you one final verse. And then we'll be close to closing. We won't close, but we'll be real close. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Ecclesiastes, this is Solomon. They believe it's Solomon talking. And he says, I didn't see an evil in the world. I didn't see princes walking 
and the servants riding on horses. In other words, the people that should be promoted are walking. And the people that should be walking, they're up high. We got to switch this around. I, I, I feel like Rosa Parks, my feet hurt. I'm tired of walking. I'm tired of stepping back. I'm tired of giving up. No, the buck stops here. And then the whole civil rights movement begin to change. Because somebody said, no, this ain't right. I'm tired. And yet, yeah, I know I descended from slaves. But I'm not giving up my seat another day. We're not riding no more buses in the back. We fighting for what belongs to us. She took some pride in who she was. And sometimes we got the wrong folk leading. We got the wrong folk doing stuff. And let me go back to the political arena. The problem is we don't have enough church folk stepping up to run for office and stepping up to say, I'm going to take a chance to be a councilwoman. I'm going to take a chance to step up there. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be a principal. I'm going to get on the police force because I know what I'm doing. I talk to God. I pray to God. And with me and God, nothing is impossible. I'm tired of the wrong people. Uh, Occupying the wrong spaces, I'm coming and I'm staking my claim. It's my turn. Why? Because I have a healthy view of humility. I know how to humble myself when I need to be humble, but I know how to rise to the occasion when I need to rise to the occasion. And I want to say this to you before we go to communion. Many of you, not just what you've been through, but your dedication to God. You, yes, God is dedicated to you, and yes, God will never leave you nor forsake you, but truth of the matter is, as a human, you could have left God. You could have just walked away. It wouldn't have been wise, but you wouldn't have been the only one that done it. But the fact that you done stayed with God through the hell and the high water. You got to stop getting in the back and hiding in the bushes. You got to be like Moses. And God forced Moses to come up front. Wasn't nobody more ready to lead the people. But Moses didn't know because he had messed up. But yeah, you done messed up, but it's your turn. I want you to be like the burning bush and take your feet. Your shoes off, you're standing on holy ground. This is your turn. You better come up and step to the plate and declare to the pharaohs, the demonic pharaohs, let my people go. I need you to pray over your children. Let my people go. I need you to pray over this city. Let my people go. Stop being scared. It's your turn. Even Moses, God still couldn't get it through his thick skull. So he said, I stutter. I can't do it. Bring my brother Aaron. So God allowed his brother Aaron to come. But years later, Aaron was the one building the golden calf, helping them build the golden calf because Aaron didn't have the leadership pedigree that Moses had. But Moses was so nervous and so scared, he thought he couldn't do it. So he brought the wrong person along to partner with him. Stop bringing people that, that, that don't have the anointing you have. Some of this stuff you can do on your own. You can step up and lead. It's your turn. Yes, I don't want you in pride, but I don't want you stuck too low. I want you to rise to the occasion and be the woman and the man you need to be. And guess what it's going to do? It's going to help the entire church. Can I get an amen this morning? All right, we're going to move right into our communion. Come on, let's stand to our feet for this. To my online audience, I hope you've got your communion ready as well. Let's bring up our first scripture. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Come on, let's take it and let's eat it. All right, next, next verse. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you. Together we will drink. All right, one final verse. For this is my blood that establishes the covenant. 
It is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Let me, let me pause and say this. We do this every Sunday, every first Sunday, excuse me. And many of you do it on your own. But if you keep partaking of Jesus, his body and his blood, how could you ever stay too low? Because you carry the presence of the almighty Savior on the inside. That alone should make you rise to every occasion. It should never make you get too high and never make you get too low. And before I close, I will tell you this. The Lord showed me this. I just thought about this as I was preparing the message. Do you know that your vehicle, when you pump gas, you can never fill it up too much? It actually stops. It'll pour out the side, but it will no more will go into the car. But it can go too low. It's made not to go too high, but it can go too low. If you have Christ, God will keep you from going too high, but only you can keep you from going too low. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Help us to have a healthy humility. Many of us have taken the back seat too long. It's time for us to rise up and step up and be what you want us to be. You will govern us so we don't get in pride and go too high. But God, help us to have the wisdom not to go too low, but have a healthy balance and be the people we need to be. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. God bless us as we rest on Labor Day. Help us to enjoy ourselves in you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. amen. Have a great week. God bless you.